1: Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 861. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Uh, So if you need any kind of digital anything to promote yourself or your products or your services, just share your ideas. Maybe you just have some ideas you want to put in the world and social media is too toxic or too, uh, I don't know, bite-sized. You just want it to be all about you. Squarespace gives you everything you need to make your next move into a thing including a free domain. Not to mention Squarespace's beautifully designed templates and customizable features, which create a beautiful website. It's a very simple and intuitive process. Just add and arrange your content with a click of a mouse. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com after the offer code NERDIS to get 10% off your first purchase. Uh, let's go to the NERDIS community corkboard. Uh, our pal Ron Babcock, its comedian, has a new album out this Thursday, March 30th, called This Guy. You can get it on iTunes and at surethingrecords.com. Also, Brina Gavin writes... I'm a nutritionist, and after almost three years of graduate school and 1,000 hours of a clinical internship, starting a side project I'm really proud of, a small boutique integrative nutrition practice that I run myself. For every one regular client consultation I do, I will volunteer my time and match that hour with an hour of pro bono work with a low-income family uh, in South Central. So this pro bono work includes working with new mothers for postnatal care, both for mom and baby, tons of working with at-risk youth to help them develop ideas for healthy food choices, how to choose healthy lunches, meal options on a budget. How to take care of their bodies, functional foods to eat, build up immunity during cold and flu season. Uh, If you want more info about what integrative nutrition is, which is sort of an East meets West philosophy, check out her company, The Simple Leaf. It is thesimpleleafnutrition.com. And she also has an Instagram with some recipes, health food facts at at thesimpleleaf, which bleeds very nicely into this episode of the podcast is Brandon Routh, who is promoting Legends of Tomorrow on the CW, Tuesday nights at 9pm. Lydia and I met Brandon and his wife, Courtney Ford, about, it was almost actually exactly a year ago, at uh, Nathan Fillion had a a, a gathering at his house, and we met them there and talked for a while, and just fantastic people. Uh, And, you know, we became friends, and then it was always a, hey, let's, you know, I'd love to get you on the podcast, and it finally happened, but... We actually talk a lot about fitness and nutrition in this episode, and it's not something that I talk a ton about normally because, I don't know, I'm still, I don't want to say embarrassed to talk about fitness, but I still have these like deep-seated ideas from my youth about what fitness dudes were like fitness bros, uh, and I did not have a lot of positive associations with that. But when I got into my 30s and I started getting healthy, uh, I really, you know, I've been training with my buddy Tom Dieters for like, oh, I don't know, 13, 12, 13 years now, 12 years now. And if it weren't for fitness, I would never be able to do all the things that I do. And it is one of the most significant choices that I ever made in my life. So it was nice to be able to talk about it with uh, Brandon, who's uh, very much a a fit guy and is really smart. Brandon is uh, super – he just – you know, it's, it's, it's so interesting that he plays the character that he plays in Legends of Tomorrow because he really is a brainiac. And, uh, and so we had a really nice chat. So uh, Brandon Routh on this episode of the Nerdist Podcast, which, by the way, was also brought to you by Stamps.com. Stop going to the damn post office. Mail any letter or package using your computer, uh, your printer. The mail carrier picks it up. Avoid all the hassles of the stupid post office and mail everything from postcards and envelopes to packages, domestic or international. Create your Stamps account in minutes online with no equipment to lease, no long-term commitments. And unlike a post office, it never closes. It it works around your schedule. It is convenient. It is easy. It is reliable. It is flexible. Stamps.com brings all the services to your fingertips. They're going to send you a digital scale. So right now, please continue to enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus postage in a digital scale without long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in NERDIST. That's Stamps.com under the promo code NERDIST. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. And now, here's the Nerdist podcast number 861 with Brandon Ralph, Katie Levine, would you be so kind?
0: Now entering NERDIST.com.
2: Hello! Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. I know I was confused because I did the meltdown.
1: Oh! First. Gotcha, gotcha, and gotcha. I being
2: wise enough to go. That's what I was like. I, the first time I did that, I was
1: like, oh, I'm just Crispy, your empire is so huge. <laughs> it's so. It's so sprawling. It's so sprawling. No, it's. Uh, I know it's a little confusing because there's a few of things. There's yeah. a few different parts of it, but uh, I don't know. It usually makes sense in my head. And sometimes I'm like, no, a Nerdist is – it's not me. Because that happens all the time. I yeah. go, I'm going to do Nerdist. Well, I see you go, oh, no, 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 I think you're doing – Something with Jessica Chobot, or you're doing something at the Man, theater. I don't have so much time in my day. <laughs> you have
2: to reach the, the the top of the echelon to get to meet me. You have to go through my other foot soldiers to see if you're worthy to get to the boss. I'm
1: level. a boss battle, you guys. I'm a boss battle, but uh, but you but you just came straight, like you have permanent access <laughs> at all times. I mean, you and your wife were at our wedding. I mean, that's that, right. That's
2: about as much. One of the coolest, amazing weddings. Did you have uh, other fun? Other than my own wedding, of I course, think that, um, which I can't be uh, partial about or impartial about. But uh, I did have a great time. Oh,
1: good! I'm so glad. Yeah.
2: Um, the only strange thing was was the craziest like party beforehand, like the cocktail hour. Yeah. Was it was like a Hollywood party? I mean, <laughs> a veritable who's who's and meeting some family and some other friends, um, people that I knew and, and new people. Um, but that in itself was just like kind Of a cool oh. ca- casual because they like, they were they were cool people, they weren't like you know hobnobbing with
1: schmuckity schmucks, yeah. And, um, they were really nice, it was a really nice group, real but conversations to be had, you know. Not yeah, just- well, we were we, we really wanted it to be fun for everyone and and not make people sit through a, a bunch of stuff that was only meaningful to us because yeah. I think people, I think it's like we well, got to consider your guests at the wedding and they mm-hmm. you want them to have fun and not have, that's so. I, I killed no toasts, there was only one toast. Lydia's best friend. I was uh, waiting for the best, man's, best man Best speech. There was no, yeah, no, no speeches. Because they never, it, it's always the most awkward part of any wedding is all the toasts where it's like 400 people or however many people are there don't know the inside story. So someone's drunk up there going, and you remember when we you and I we had these nicknames for each other, <laughs> and then everyone's like, ah, I, I, I don't know. So we wanted it to be as fun and, and and seamless as possible. But I'm sorry we didn't get to spend more time hanging out with with you and Courtney because it there were people that I didn't even know were there. That just didn't come up to me. And they're like, you looked busy.
2: Well, I mean, you know, having been through a wedding, I understand the demands and, and all that. Uh, and, and we just have co- become recently acquainted uh, in a way. And so, you know, I figured there were people who who wanted to spend more time with. You have, you've been
1: married like 10 years, right? Yeah, almost. Yeah. Now, now what, what advice can you give? <laughs> A newlywed having ten years of marriage under your belt. Uh,
2: you know, it's 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 cheesy, but it's true. It's communication, mm-hmm. um, and the older you get, the better you get at communicating um, with your with your significant other with yes. people. I mean, communication in life is is the important thing, and um, and I think for me, being a person that has a history of of kind of not wanting to upset people, Yep. so I won't tell them everything that maybe. <laughs> I'm upset about, or have right. a, just a, maybe just a little thing, and so then it just kind of you hold on to it, and then it becomes a bigger thing than right. it should. So then, then it, then it should be. So talking about those little things and not making having an open and having an open line of communication, like not making anybody a bad guy to talk about something that can improve the relationship, right. um, I think is a big thing, and that pays off. You know, if you anybody who has kids will know that communication is a huge part too, because. You have to be able to communicate. If you and your if you and your spouse can't deal communications before you have a kid, then you're going to have a lot of well, a lot of issues because the then you have to communicate like triple the time to make sure that you are both on the same plan and stuff. And well, we're talking about
1: kids, but um, but anyway. Well, the good news is everyone who has a kid is a master of communication, right? Every person that. <laughs> <laughs> the world would be a better place than we were, but that's part of the, that's, that's part of the life, you know. Well, it is, but I but I remember when we when Linney and I met, when we really I had the first kind of conversation with you with both of you. At, I think it was at Fillion's house. Yeah, and we left. And I was like, wow, they're super smart. Like you, it just you both just radiate brain energy. Oh. And and I was like, we got to hang out with them. We got to hang out with them. But then, you know, where do you shoot Legends? Was that Vancouver Vancouver. Yeah it's, yeah, it's just scheduling sucks. It's rough.
2: Um, I'm just finally back. We finished uh, last uh, Monday, so I've been home a week, um, our season two. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to be home, be on hiatus, and have a couple months off to just be here. Um, my wife and my son, they spend most of the time here although my wife is shooting Supernatural, mm-hmm. which shoots next door to us. So she's done five or six episodes, I think, by the time the season's over. Um, so that's been nice. They've both come up, and, and it's been a good family time. Um, but I'm done until July. And, and just walking, just parking my car and walking over here to the little studio, uh, I'm like, oh man, this is this is so nice. This is, first of all, it's sunny, and it's mm-hmm. oh, 65 degrees. Yeah, Not really warm, but it's beautiful. And, this is this is one of the things that I love about being in this industry, but Vancouver <laughs> is a very different experience <laughs> because uh, it 's rainy most of the time it 's a lovely city um very nice people and, and great food uh but this it's not the same like it 's not hollywood it's right. not uh, you go walk on the lot and you see other shows shooting. Right. And it feels like the energy of creativity and yeah. things. This is Hollywood energy that doesn't exist in 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 Vancouver so much. So um, I definitely am jealous coming back here.
1: Well, this lot is about a hundred years old, mm. and. When you kind of look around and see, you can see some of the there's posters everywhere, the like giant billboard yeah. posters everywhere. You see like, oh, they shot Burns and Allen here, and I Love Lucy, and and um, uh, uh, um, Laurel and Hardy, and old westerns. I mean, this it you you find places. This is really the most history that we have yeah. in this town is you know built around this industry. But I do love Vancouver. Vancouver is such a nice. This just the town has just a good vibe to
2: it. It is. It's you know, and and it's one of the only places that I can get. You can get wild salmon sushi, um, (laughs) which is like, it's all farmed salmon here in Los Angeles. We think that Los Angeles is the health capital of the world in some ways, but Vancouver and and other places in Canada actually are doing uh, things, some things better than we are. Oh, yeah. I think, uh, I think, as far as good, healthy, quality food.
1: Yeah. The Pacific Northwest and Western Canada. Yeah. Has a real? Good, I think they have a yeah, much Seattle, better por- Seattle,
2: Portland area. Yeah, right real. Do you, you ever pop over? You've been over? a little bit. I drove down last year. I drove my, uh, had my car shipped up, and I drove it back down with my dad at the end of last oh, season. Oh, that's nice. Which is fun. on little road trip, and we stopped at uh, a place called Caveman Cafe or Caveman something. Sorry, Portland, Portlanders, uh, Portlandia. <laughs>
1: Listen, <laughs> it was great. Even, it, even it, if you could remember the name
2: of it, they would probably tell you that you were saying it wrong. It's a paleo place anyway <laughs> yeah. up there, and uh, it's pretty great. It's, or do you eat paleo? Pretty much. Yeah, I follow. Uh, I do. Uh, bulletproof diet um which is a version of a paleo diet which is uh bulletproof coffee i just listened oh. to the alan tudyk podcast and oh, realized yes. you don't drink coffee i didn't know that about you um uh, or you can't the I caffeine can't. It makes is a, me crazy so your so your body probably uh doesn't metabolize caffeine very well you could do a genetic test to kind of figure that out no i actually don't i have issues with that too but not as crazy as you uh sounds but um so, bulletproof coffee is is grass fed butter and coconut oil, and uh, anyway, whole other
1: thing that I won't get into. No, you should actually because it it, it does it it does it just kind of like uh, do a clean sweep of your system and keep everything. It it affects how the
2: caffeine uh, enters your body because it's wrapped in fat. So you blend it up, mm-hmm. so it makes it frothy like a like a latte, um, essentially. But it, it definitely changes the the uptake of caffeine in your body because. Your, your fat cells have, your, excuse me, your cells, of your body have fats that have a fat membrane. Mm-hmm. So, because the coffee and the caffeine is wrapped in fat, because it's been emulsified, it enters the body slower. So it's not like, oh, I just had caffeine, right? Like it bursts. It's like, oh yeah, I'm feeling good. Have caffeine, and then it leaves your body in a more uh, sustained release, I guess, <laughs> uh, are departing. So it's not like, oh, you don't have a caffeine high and then a caffeine low. Interesting. Um, and and I the I started doing this gosh, almost three three years ago. Um, And for me, it was an amazing amount of energy, just brain energy, because there's a whole myth about fat. Uh, Fat's bad for us. Fat is not bad for us. Certain fats are bad for us, but largely fat is really powerful and important and a great source of fuel for our bodies. It's an alternate source of fuel versus sugar, Mm -hmm. um, which has a lot of damaging aspects to it. So I basically... Bulletproof. The idea of bulletproof eating is being more fat fueled. Um, so I consume a lot more fat, but high quality, good fat. Sure. Um, that also gives me brain energy and ov- overall body energy. Um, and I-, I often say, and I wrote, uh, I guess that um, um, uh, it turned on a light in my head, and my brain, that I didn't know was off. Kind of like a brain fog that I had that I that I had so for so long that I didn't know. That's existed. really interesting. It cut through that and gave me much more energy to communicate the way I'm communicating now and have a free, free
1: flow <laughs> maybe I should, Maybe I should at least try you and can, see what
2: happens. You can do it without coffee or caffeine. Caffeine adds a certain element, but you can do it with uh, decaf English breakfast tea or whatever. I just bought matcha. Some people do with matcha. I'm going to try that, which obviously has caffeine too. Maybe they have a decaf one. I don't know. But um, the other thing about about Bulletproof Coffee – Beans can make their own coffee beans, As coffee is, is uh, moldy, is moldy, has, yep. grows mold, all food grows mold yep. at a certain point. It starts to degrade. That's the process of life. Um, but coffee, both in the way it's grown and the way it's harvested, um, uh, has a propensity to grow mold. Mm-hmm. And that mold uh, that's on the coffee beans is what gives a lot of people jitters, anxiousness, uh, upset stomach, um, acid reflux and things like that. Those are all the things that I suffered from. So a clean coffee bean... You may have a different experience. You may sure. not, because if your if genetically your body just doesn't process caffeine well, it may just not do well in caffeine. It may not have to do but mold has just like black mold, mold sure. on our food, mold on peanuts, aflatoxin A, which is a mold that's on peanuts. I'm boring people with science. Um, no, no,
1: they want to hear you talk uh, science. There's a, a lot maybe that kind of food science, though, I don't know. There's a lot of people there that are just discovering this whole other sexy side of you. They're <laughs> like, Oh my god, talk more about molds and fungus. Um, Yes, uh, <laughs> a deep dive into mold and punk But it's and good, you know. Is it? But it. it but it's all good because I. Uh, not to bore you too much about my personal physiology, but uh, my, when I got a physical last year, the doctor's like your cholesterol is real high, mm. and uh, and I'm in pretty good shape, and that was very was that very upsetting to learn. Yeah. So so cholesterol is
2: another real. It's not a misdirect, but it's 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 um. Cholesterol is not the marker of health that we think it is. Mm-hmm. Both low and both high. Right. <laughs> I, I used my hand, and <laughs> I did. Indicate. I did it opposite. Um, but I did it opposite. Um, both low and both low high. And high. Now I correct. There you. we go. Uh, for those watching at home. Um, <laughs> so there, there are a lot of books about it. A lot of podcasts about it. I learned a lot about it by listening to podcasts. Um, the Bulletproof podcast, and there a lot of other different podcasts. But. Um, Essentially, cholesterol is really powerful and important for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we need it. It's a hormone in our body. Um, and when you have too low of cholesterol, that can be uh, fatal sure, and have consequences. And too high cholesterol, yes, is a marker for certain things, but it is not a true marker or is a strong marker for heart health and, and uh, arterial health as uh, it's made out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I strive to have a higher cholesterol, overall cholesterol, rate, as long as the there are different types of cholesterol. Right, there's right, right. There's right. big, fluffy uh, cholesterol particles, and there's sk- small ones. You, you want more of the big, fluffy ones, I think. I, I'm forgetting all of it now. But needless to say, I can't get into the whole mechanics of cholesterol, but there are, there's, I think there's a book called like, The Cholesterol Myth, or just different books um, ab- about cholesterol. And strictly trying to lower cholesterol is not a winning health strategy. Does this di- is this diet a good diet for that? Uh, this would probably – could probably push people's total cholesterol a little bit higher, possibly, but it's because it's increasing your good – your HDL right. and lowering your triglycerides. Right, 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 um, which are the LDLs. Uh, yes. Uh, well, yeah, and triglycerides are kind of a sub uh, a subcategory, um, and that's what makes things sticky. So when you have a lot of sugar – when you have a lot of sugar, it it kind of uh, in, in your bloodstream, it can create a lot of triglycerides. Um, even if the thing you're having doesn't really have cholesterol in, it. Is that right? I, don't don't quote me
1: uh, on, on the science. No, all the cardiologists are yeah. tweeting in. What are you saying? But um, uh, but you basically, the end result is you just don't want plaque to build up in your arteries. Exactly.
2: And and you know, I did a. Um, uh, well, I'll get into myself, but um, please. I did I did a, uh, I did a, a CT scan mm-hmm. um, of my of my of my chest uh, of my arteries for a, doing a battery of tests with a, a doc that I'm working with on myself and it it uh, tests for plaque buildup. Mm-hmm. There are other ways to test, but this is kind of the first thing they do. Um, and I had sorry, not plaque buildup, but um, um, uh, f- medichlorians. No, midichlorian buildup. <laughs> um, oh, cr- crime and nitley. Crime and nitley is an Iowa term. Um, uh, it creates bone, bone, um, calcium, calcium. Thank you, calcium buildup. And I had zero. I had a zero score of zero calcium buildup, which is pretty extraordinary um, because I think a lot of people have have some. Right. Um, and calcium buildup is created from a lot of different uh, reasons. But anyway, uh, my cholesterol is very is what I deem very good.
1: There's a different level of what people will call cholesterol. Oh, my God. So no, we'll stop no. talking. No, uh, not at all because this is – I mean was all this driven by the fact that, well, I'm on TV. I probably need to be in good shape and, oh, wow, I'm discovering all these things about that through that process. Kind of, but
2: mostly for my son. So when he turned one – I found out this information started to kind of go down this rabbit hole when he was turning one and he was starting to eat solid foods. Mm-hmm. Um, he was breastfed uh, for a year, but and then he started to do you know, smashed avocado and you know, mushy food, and then they go into uh, eating solid foods and figure out how am I going to feed him. Like this is my – the most important thing in the world. I got to make sure I'm feeding it right. the right things. And my friend, said, at a, my friend said, hey, have you heard of Bulletproof Coffee? And I was like, no, what's that? He put butter and uh, uh, coconut oil in your coffee. And I was like, what? That sounds Great weird. for babies, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That sounds weird. <laughs> uh, but let me read about it. He sent me the, the link uh, to the blog, and I read. And I was like, whoa, what Dave Asprey, who's the founder, uh, what he was saying about fat or educating me about fat was really enlightening and interesting because it was turning everything on its head, and so then I just went deep into it and listened to all the podcasts um, and I like the next day I gave it a shot and I cut out gluten grains um did bulletproof coffee I was putting a lot more butter in my coffee at the beginning than I do now. Mm-hmm. you kind of ramp up to it and your body craves the fat once you start giving it kind of what it wants. you can follow it a little bit um and that's when the light turned on and I started dropping weight. Um, I think I dropped over like three months 15, 20 pounds, kind of just excess sitting around weight mm-hmm. without changing my, you know, what I was doing physically. Oh, at all. wow. Um, because my body was becoming a, a more clean and efficient fueled machine. Um, I ate less. So uh, anti aging. <laughs> uh, the- uh, uh, theory, or I think it's proven. Because you're 63. I'm 63. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you and look amazing. My aging. Yeah, Go you back look 20 amazing. Years, drop 20 pounds and 20 years <laughs> um, it is it's to eat less. If you eat less, you'll age slower because your body has to break down less and is doing less work. Right? Interesting. Is I, I believe that's a proven science thing. It's it's well thought of and well um, used. Uh, Were you theory, always anyway. into this? Because you, I mean, Superman got me into it definitely a lot. I would imagine and even before when I started. I mean, the first thing I ever had knowledge I had about health was when I was still in Iowa Mm -hmm. and I was working I started they got this free membership at Seven Flags it was a gym called Seven Flags in (laughs) Iowa
1: (laughs) (laughs) they added a Seven
2: Flag it's not as fun it's more work it's more work the extra flag it gets real serious and um, I was uh, so I was getting in shape to do like it was a local agency in Des Moines that told me about this big uh, that was my chair that was his chair um uh, big reacting agent. to the huge fart. Yes, <laughs> the bullet. No, it was the squeaky chair. It was a squeaky Bulletin chair. Fart. Um, going to this uh, bigger thing. I'll call it IMTA in New York because this is kind of where I met my first manager. Anyway. Uh, I was doing this tr- this uh, working out with the trainer, first time with the trainer, and he was like, "What are you What are you eating? What's your diet?" And I was like, "Well, this and that, and I, you know, and uh, uh, pretzels and um, you know, lo- low fat and uh, sour patch kids." And <laughs> I was like, "Wait, wait, what? You can't. That- that's basically it's fattening." He's like, "No, it's all it's full sugar." <laughs> I mean it's sugar it's not fattening it says, it says no fat <laughs> fat free it's a fat free food what's wrong with that It's like no sugar sugar turns to fat and I was like what
1: well you were getting away with that because you were in your early 20s yeah I was 19 oh you were 19 um, yeah when, when everyone's Wolverine
2: yeah well thankfully I was active and I have you know thanks to my parents I have good genes because I ate like I mean I absolute terrible slob as a kid and I wasn't Lean, I was probably carried around 20 pounds extra weight, but I was big and bulky, you mm-hmm. know, and, and tall and uh, athletic, so it, you couldn't tell necessarily, but um, it was not good, it was not good for my body at that time, anyway. That was I spent 20 years, basically almost 18 years since that was that happened. That was my first little bit of it, and then I'd read, you know, health mag- magazines would come out and I'd read some of the you know, started to get into it. Then when Superman happened, obviously, I, I got much more into it. I had a nutritionist. um, That's when I started, you know, um, really understanding how to work out better and what was good food to eat. But even all that has flipped on its head, right? So in 2004 or five, when I was training for that, I would do things totally different now if I was going to be training for something like that um, in many ways. And that nutritionist, that same nutritionist does a lot of things differently as well. And she's how I met Dave, because
1: they were friends in the in the nutrition world. Maybe I'll have to get some info from you. Yeah. because so, I mean, you know, I just want to I want to make sure I'm in better shape at my age now than I've ever been in my entire than I was when I was 25. Right. When it when I was basically just like what you were saying, it's like, oh, what's wrong with pizza and beer? Those things have health qualities yeah. of some sort. And uh, now I don't do anything except you know, at Starbucks a couple times a day, but that's real sugary. Yeah, that's real sugar sugary. Sugar is sugar's
2: the, the basically the biggest enemy. Um, and sugar is a real drug. I mean, it passes the blood brain barrier. It 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 is addictive like uh, you know, there are studies that will tell you that it's more addictive than cocaine and and all and heroin and all those other things because it actually functions in the brain. It mimics certain uh, aspects of what those drugs do. Um and there are reasons for that. But um, having the more fat, what it does is it, it – fat creates um, a hormonal response that tells your body that you're, that you're full. Mm-hmm. So fat fills you up faster. If you eat a steak and – if you have steak and French fries on your plate, like doing steak frites, mm-hmm. um, and you just eat that, you probably eat more French fries. But if you put steak – and a big slab of butter mm-hmm. on top of the steak, and you eat most of this, you go target the steak first, you won't get to eat as many of the french fries because you're going to get full right. from the fat. And that fat, in my mind, as long as it's grass-fed butter, so that's a cow that eats only grass, um, is better for you than eating those french fries. Yeah, so a cow that
1: just eats sour and you want is bad, right?
2: Right, you don't want a sour patch. There was a thing. There was a... Skittles? Yeah. So there's this thing that... that uh, some cattle and maybe other ruminants get fed excess candy and sugar and stuff. There was a big uh, spill of a of a truck that was carrying skittles, mm-hmm. and cattle herder somewhere brought the cows and the cows that ate the skittles off of the ground. And apparently, CNN reported on this. and It's a it's a practice that happens to fatten the cows up. Um, so so it's not good. So it's not good. Right. I mean, it's not good for us. It's not good for the cows. Um, we are what we eat. Right. We are what we. Eat eight, and and the knowledge of that we kind of live in denial about a lot of things, and that's one of the things that, as a society, certainly in America, we've we've uh, co- become accustomed to, um, not questioning how the animals are treated or also what they've been e- what they, they've eaten. Right. Um, too because, much work because what they eat too much energy, them, and then what we eat. What they've eaten affects us. So, you know, you can deny that. You can deny science all you want. There are plenty of people who want to do that, but it has supreme effects. If you can change your diet and lose weight, then what you're eating what you're eating affects you.
1: I don't even know if it's as many people would deny it. I just think most people are like, ah, I don't, I'm just too busy. Well, ah, I'm just, God, no, I'm an energy guy, you know. It's planning. It's, you yeah. have to get con- control of it. It takes, it. It takes
2: the time to get control of it. But I tell you, for me, when I got control of it, so many other things in life started to fall in line in a better way because I was taking control of one of the most important aspects of life, which is eating. Right. You have to do it every day. You have to do it or you die. Yeah. Um, and if you start to take control of that, for me, it had positive it had positive buildup, you know, down the line, um, in many ways, because um, I was then in, in control of my brain.
1: Well, and, the and older, then I was in control of other people. But the I older, the, the older brain. you get, the more stuff you have to do to just feel okay, and it and you don't you don't have the luxury of your body having Wolverine healing properties when you're 20. When you start getting older, you really do have to plan more. You do have to stretch. Well, you know, I guess you don't have to stretching is kind of one of those things too which but it's like you don't have to do all that stuff but it but then again you can't be surprised if you know by the time you're 50 or 60 it's hard to get around or you can't you know it's like you get winded really easy like yeah I mean that's you know you yeah you kind of should exercise you should think about what you eat because it really will affect you and you'll fucking care when you're 65 and you're just, you know, you're basically just chair bound because you didn't think about it for decades. And it's a lot harder to. It's easier
2: to to correct the trajectory your trajectory now than down the road. So, Absolutely. And with simple I mean, changes. I mean, a lot of people get intimidated, and I certainly was intimidated a little bit along the path of this of this exploration of like, oh, I can't. I'm getting. I have to take all these supplements to be healthy, and I can't. <laughs> and it's so much money, and you're doing all this stuff. But um, so. There is a point where you have to – just baby steps, but you have to commit to the baby. If you're going to do baby steps, you have to commit to it. I pretty much went cold turkey. Um, I'm kind of like that with, with things, I guess, sometimes. But um, but there's no wrong way. There, you can't – there's a better way to say that. Um,
1: There's no wrong way to eat a Reese's.
2: There's no. The, you just have to. You just have to go for it and not beat yourself up if you're not. Don't beat yourself up if you're. Well, if you don't. If you're not perfect. If you're not perfect with a diet, you can't beat yourself up because think, that emotional stress. Yes. Is going to lead you then to eat more of the things you don't want to eat because you're beating yourself up.
1: Exactly. So you know what I. What I tell people. I've had the same guy that I've been training with for twelve years. Mm. And what I tell people who are like, "What do I? You know, how do I start?" Because I was very fitness averse when I was younger yeah. because it represented a type of person that I did not like, sure, and um, a type of person who was very mean to me, mm. and so when I got older and I started to realize, oh when I quit drinking and I, I stopped doing everything that was bad, I go, well, maybe I should you know i don't want to I don't want to hit fifty and then be like, oh I better turn this better turn this boat around so I started working with this guy and so and he's been amazing, but what I tell people now is like don't because I think some people just have like a moment of panic. We're like, i got to change my whole life at once. i got to change my whole diet all at once. And i got to start working out five days a week. No, you don't. Don't do that because you won't stick to it. And yeah. then it will be so painful that you will just associate that it is the worst thing that you can do. So I say like, hey, you know, you walk a half hour a week. Start like on Tuesdays from noon to 1230. You're just going to walk a half hour. Try that for a little bit. See how you feel. Start to feel better. And mm. then you'll start to gravitate toward – Incrementally healthier choices, and then in six months, you'll see that you've made these massive changes, but it's you know it's not jumping into the pool, you're just sort of wading in yeah. inch by inch, and that I think is a lot more those incremental goals are a lot or a lot better for for people if
2: you put the goal too high so high, then then you're setting yourself for failure, yes. because
1: you're setting an
2: an unattainable goal. Um, when I started this, I just wanted to I was interested in the science I wasn't doing it to lose weight or do anything. I was hoping it maybe would give you some more energy. Um, and that was the biggest thing for me. It wasn't about learning. It wasn't about, and maybe that's the mindset. It's like, I have to do it to to lose weight, um, which is, which is, so instead of going, I want to change my diet to be more healthy Mm -hmm. and to have better mental energy and better clarity (laughs) of thought Yeah, and shoot for that. And then (laughs) if you lose weight along the way, um, that'll be, that'll be a bonus, but especially with. That – the mental clarity that thing, that sort of um, uh, verifiable uh, success is, in my mind, achievable in a, a, in, a, in a way of eating. It's called a diet. I don't like – it's just the way I eat. Right. Eating Bulletproof or switching to a paleo-style diet, cutting out things that are negatively affecting you and adding things that will that, – that are easy that will be- add benefit to you. You know, you could do a simple test. If you don't drink coffee – I mean, the best way to do it is to test it in the morning when your system's clean. Um, but, I mean, you can do a simple test, like with, even with a steak test. It's like eat uh, eat uh, salmon and ha- make some broccoli or whatever vegetable that you like. Mm-hmm. Get some good quality butter. Kerrygold is a, a Irish butter. They have it at Trader Joe's. They have it pretty much everywhere. Is grass-fed butter. Uh, make your vegetables that you like. If you have a blender, blend it up with some of the butter. And make like a sauce that goes over the the salmon mm-hmm. something that adds really good fat. Eat that and see how you feel. Pause a little bit and then see if you're ready for dessert right or How much dessert you eat right because if you fill up on the better stuff, you won't be tempted as much by by the other things well, you know' because I'm
1: sure some people listen to go. What? I can't believe Brandon. He's a tall, handsome guy. He doesn't represent me. And you go, yeah, but he. You work to. I mean, there is a. Ver- there is an alternate universe version of you of a guy who kind of just let it all go. And and again, and you know, like I always say to people, you know, you should not be defined by your body you should be defined by your choices. Mm. So your if your body is the result of healthy choices, then fine. It doesn't matter, like, how much you weigh or what you – like, what matters is you're making healthy choices. For me personally, my body, at, when I was living really unhealthily, was the pro- product of insanely unhealthy choices, yeah. just like 3 a.m. pizza and, and, and drinking. And mental health probably as well, which yeah. is a whole key of this. Right.
2: Um. You know, when I talk about mental energy, I'm also talking about, you know, mental health. Um, uh, When when our brains have the proper fuel and our bodies have the proper fuel, it allows more of our humanity to come through. That's Mm -hmm. been my experience. And that's been, I think, the experience of other people anecdotally who've done more of a Bulletproof or Paleo diet. Not to say that these people are enlightened 100 percent or that they don't make mistakes or that i don't make mistakes i make lots of mistakes um and that's kind of important because then i learn from them but um when i one of the awesome benefits aside from losing weight and getting more energy was was my ability to be calm and have a have a, a conversation with somebody and not have other things in my head, mm-hmm. uh, other thoughts, or that I have to leave, or that I'm hungry, or that what am I going to eat? It just allowed me s- more silence. Or being t- cranky to listen, because. To be you're, present. Yeah. Cranky. I mean, you know, I talk about being f- uh, the steak and the butter filling you up. It also cr- uh, destroys the hangry issue. Um, the food doesn't control me in that way because I've fed my body. And two hours after I eat, I'm not craving something and saying, I don't know what I'm going to eat. I can't make a decision now. I can't make a decision, just anything to fill me up. Oh, there's a Snickers. I'm going to have Snickers. Right. And then, and then just keeps continuing. So once you take control of the food, of your uh, of what you eat, then you get back control of your brain. I don't think enough of us have realized yet that we are more in control than we are allowing. Sure. And And food – is one of the gateways to get there because when you feel, f- feed your body your brain has the capacity to be more I'll well, say superhuman to to attain to get to that level of clarity that you can make decisions and and see things from a more top down.
1: Well yeah, I don't th- I don't think eating sugar all the time really helps with depression. It's kind of interesting it's that it's that eh, it's it, it's sort of a self-fueling engine of despair where you feel bad so you you know in mm-hmm. my case it was drinking with other people it's sugar sugar for you me wanna, you want to you want to change how you feel yeah. oh this feels good the second that it's happening but the long term effects is that it sort of it creates more depression and need for that thing i mean it it really is emotionally parasitic in yeah. that way
2: it it creates i mean sugar creates a dopamine response i believe um just like other things um and and it that's something that we we want again and again because it it makes us feel good it really it's a feel good um thing and i you know after like that's why i ate sugar and ate like crap as a kid too part of its knowledge but part of it's like i wasn't i wasn't popular kid in high school i didn't have any friends outside of school i was playing uh i was playing warcraft <laughs> the friends that i had we were i was dialing up fourteen four. yeah uh BPS to my to a couple of guys that I would play Warcraft the original Warcraft. Uh, with. Mom, mom,
1: I'm using the modem. Hang up the phone. Yeah,
2: and um and that was my existence in high, in high in in high school was I didn't I didn't date I didn't go out socially. I played soccer and I swam and I was in music and theater and all that stuff I had socially at school. But outside of school, I didn't have any friends. Did it wasn't you not until like college. Other kids? <laughs> I hated kids. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, did you not? Do you relate? think that was a problem? Was that no, a problem? No, I was just like, I was wondering if you if you just didn't if you didn't relate to. I, I couldn't personally, stand looking at them. Well, their faces. I personally didn't really like other kids. Oh, I really? didn't have a lot of friends. I just I thought most kids my age were dopey. Mm. They liked dumb things. Mm they you know I, I hated sport like i just didn't i didn't feel like i related to yeah. other kids so i i wonder if some of that was do you think you created some of that wall um i yes i'm sure that i did i don't think it's because i disliked them i think
2: my uh, my mom was a teacher a second grade teacher I come from a small town of about 7000 people oh wow i graduated class of 143 so uh, the kids that I went to kindergarten with mm-hmm. are the kids I graduated with. Yep, by and large, and I and we went. To, I was Methodist, grew up Methodist, went to a Methodist church, and we were very you know active in the church. Um, and I think that I had a lot of friends going into middle seventh grade. Seventh grade, I had like a seven or eight what I called best friends, um, and then like seventh grade hit, and they're like all like dis disowned me, some kind of in a not nice way. And then I was left going, "What the hell's wrong with me? What did I? What did I even do?" And all the self doubt and all the stuff, um, and that proceeded into into high school. Largely, that's why I didn't have any friends, and I didn't get teased badly. I did by some of the friend, one of the guys uh, who who broke up the friend relationship, and his friends kind of. Um, do you know uh, what happened? Was it just like puberty? Or was I, I think I, the only thing that I can that I can come to an understanding about is that I probably was more judgmental than um, than I understood at the time mm-hmm. as far as we shouldn't do that or that's a bad thing or I, that people thought I would tell on them. Sure. Um, it would be a tattletale because my mom was a teacher and I was a goody two-shoe. Sure. Um, they couldn't invite me to the party because I would say, you could be drinking and I, I would call the cops. Sure. I don't think I would. <laughs> I don't think I was that. I wanted to fit in, but they, they judged that I wouldn't, maybe by what I said, that I would be that way. Um my mom always said that you know what you want to be and they don't yet. And I
1: was like, well, okay. <laughs> that's not really But does that really, gonna- you know, how how does that get me friends and like, you know? <laughs> so I want to so so okay, so this is an interesting cuz I, I I feel like I had a, an analogous experience in my in my in my youth around the same time. Um, but you know, I have I I think everyone is really a version of them in their in our heads. I think most people are a version of yourself that's around that age. Maybe, you know, or maybe still, you around mean. 13 in your head. Like oh. when you think of yourself, you know, you still think of yourself as that person and you still no matter how old you get and you still kind of approach things like you're still doing patchwork for stuff mm. that you're trying to make up for back then. So do you feel like you are still profoundly affected by that experience of kind of being dumped by your friends? And do you feel like that is that affects who you are today? I would say that it has. In the past, I am working through not having
2: those attachments, (laughs) uh, attachment to that belief system of who I was at that time and Mm -hmm. to to go beyond that because I am not the same person. Um, And those are those emotional traumas or whatever you want to call stored memories or different ways to, to talk about to talk about what they are, um, affected me for, for quite some time. And um, they, they they affect the subconscious, us on a subconscious level of decision-making, of, of not feeling worthy, um, of not feeling worthy of friendship, mm-hmm. and then not engaging with people in, in a way, or not sharing feelings and emotions. For me, it affected me in a way that I would not, um, that I, that I like we were saying before, with relationships, that I wouldn't talk about something that was upsetting me. Because I didn't want to upset the other person. Sure. And, I, and I felt like I... I was okay. Like, I came from a happy family and I I'm right. a, like a good family and loving family and I'm good. Like I had a loving family and but that's kind of what it which is true. Yeah. But but all but doesn't mean you have no problems. Exactly. But yeah. I but I it's something called um bypassing. There's there's emotional bypassing, there's spiritual bypassing and um which just means you go uh well, God will save me from this or save this or um I don't uh, Think of an emotional bypassing uh, example. Essentially, you don't you don't take in the emotional impact of something. Yeah, you see somebody, you know, some story in the news about something terrible that happened, and you go, "Oh well, you know, I hope they're in the I hope they're in a better place," which sure. is a nice blessing. But also, you're not like you're not taking that that really in. It's a right. way of like diverting sure having to not worry about that. I don't have to worry about that because well, it's are be Im- taken
1: care of. It'd be impossible to take on everything. Like, yeah, exactly. And be I'm able not saying to. that you should, yeah. right? You can't sit there and,
2: and take in, you know, every time somebody somebody's killed, you know, um, take that in. That's that's too much. But there's a there's a there's a fine line there. Sure. Um, when I read about for me, when I read about something on Twitter feed or in you know news, something terrible that happens instead of going, oh man, that's bad. And then go on to the next thing, I go I put myself I kind of just sit with it for a second and take in, I guess if that happened if it happened to me, but just that what those people might be feeling for a moment. Empathy. Empathy. It's an empathy practice. And then just it doesn't ruin my day for me. It just but then I had that and I and I feel free Mm -hmm. because I did it rather than just having that itching feeling that there's this thing that happened that I don't really even like
1: Looking. So you're you're giving it some emotional respect and yeah. some emotional weight, yeah. Because you know the, the interesting thing about empathy is that it's it's good to be empathetic, but I do feel like the dark side of empathy is. You know, you can be so empathetic that you're almost making something about yourself. Yes. And then in that case, you kind of become useless to other people because it's like, well, someone you if, if you're absorbing someone else's emotions, you cannot be helpful to them if they need you.
2: Totally. And that's and that's an argument about not being not doing too much empathy. But there's a balance there. So so you're mining. Essentially, that's like you're mining. You're mining for emotional pain. Mm-hmm. Like you're trying because and that's something else to look at. If that's an issue for you, that's. There's a reason why you're doing that. Yes. Um, that's another thing. I don't know what. But, but well, that's another thing that you can work on because that, that, that is not a healthy way to have empathy. It's right. just to – there's a balanced way, I believe, to do that. Yeah. To at least – sit in somebody's shoes for a moment and then get past it because, yeah, if you're worried about the people in third world countries not having food and it keeps you up at night – that is not helping right? because you are taking – now you're worried about them, and it's affecting your life and your ability to take care of yourself and your kids. Right. That is not okay. But understanding what their plight might be and the daily life that they go through for a moment of reflection can give you value and understanding and respect and gratitude sure. for what you have and what you do, um, and and you can move forward – With that, whether that, if you feel so inclined, it's giving to an organization or reaching out to people in your local area, because you may not be able to affect the change you want in the third world country far away, but you can give to a local um, um, uh, food gathering bank bank food bank thank you that's the word i look forward <laughs> <Get through> la- <laughs> to a local food bank or get involved locally and help with hunger if that's your issue locally right and impact change in a huge way
1: well yeah i mean it's it's it it's so easy particularly in this town to I mean, it's easy everywhere and social media makes it even easier to just get so absorbed in yourself yeah and uh and just surround you know surround yourself um but there's a really i don't know if you're gonna know this reference but uh do you know the ba- there's a band called yes a mm-hmm. band called Yes, and they they have a line in a song that's uh, "Don't surround yourself with yourself." Like, oh, what a great mm. line in a song! You know, uh, can you find that, Katie? Don't surround yourself with yourself. Uh, I, I have to. Oh, this time the king. I'm trying to get to the chorus so I can remember the title na- the title, of the song. But the band is Yes. I've seen all good people. I've seen all good people. I think it's I've seen all good people. You I, knew it right away. I did. Good yeah, memory just pulled it right out of there. Yeah, my brain is Already I don't I don't I don't need just... a buttery fat diet because I just I can pull things out of No, oh, Katie had to find that for me. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Katie Levine. But it's just that idea of like surround like just being so surrounded. And I do feel like that is a that is so much of what we're all facing right now because it's so convenient and easy yeah. and comforting to surround yourself with yourself, but then there's no growth. There's no growth, I and mean, then you're just you're not looking outside yourself. You like you need to you need to bring in nutrients from other areas to fertilize the soil, the emotional soil. Exactly. Uh, it's important to have a varied,
2: uh, friend base and and people who are who, who you deem to be I don't know, better than you or smarter or whatever or more successful than you, whatever that is. That reaching up to have people who you aspire to be. Or aspects, not aspire to be them, but, but aspects of, of, of a friend or somebody or acquaintance that you admire, mm-hmm. I think I'd like to have that skill. Mm-hmm. Incorporate them into your social network somehow. And because, then also be that for someone else. Yeah, because you, well, yeah, exactly. And, but it's, if you don't see the growth potential, you won't grow, you will know, just stagnate and continue to be where you are. And that right. can be
1: okay, too. Like, yeah. We're all okay. We're all, you're all, we're it all really okay where kinda, we are. It really just kind of depends on what you want. It really depends what you want. And if you, you know, if you're comfortable where you are, then don't get down on yourself and don't don't go why don't I have this? Like, well, if you want this other thing, you should understand why you want that thing. You should understand with great clarity what it is specifically that you want. And then you can decide if you want to try to make it happen. And yes, it is a, it is work, yeah. you know, but you're not going to get anything without working for it, really.
2: And the other people that have those things, it didn't magically
1: just appear for them.
2: No, it's very rare. Maybe, maybe 0.5% of the time if they were... You know, given tons of money at birth, it
1: it did, but but, but even that doesn't and large, solve every problem. And, exactly. hon- and honestly, and honestly, even if someone get, you know, anyone can kind of hit some kind of a lottery at random, mm-hmm. but they, you know, but it the skill is is in keeping it and maintaining it and growing it. You know, I mean, it's real. It's like it, 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 the perfect analogy is, of course, in the in this business, like mm. oh, some guy just got a job. He just got handed a big job. You know, fuck. But, you know, the skill is in staying there or keeping that. And, you know, as someone who was handling a through big it. job, I've been through it. Um, so, so so basically, you, you kind of, did, would you say you kind of, I mean, I know you worked before Superman, but yeah. it kind of probably felt like zero to Superman. It was
2: pretty much, I mean, to, to the outside, it definitely feels like zero to Superman. For me, I'd been, I mean, it had been three years, mm-hmm. two and a half, three years, which is not, which is <laughs> not long. Uh, <laughs> I, at the time, it felt like it all the, the challenge and struggle, but um, but yeah, I mean, I moved out when I was 19, uh, and I eventually got Superman when I was 24, so I guess it was more four or five years. Um, um, I worked on a, I mean, the biggest thing I did is I worked on a soap for a year in New mm-hmm. York in 2001 um, through 2002, and then I got fired from that, <laughs> um, thankfully, in many ways, and moved back to Los Angeles uh, and didn't work for a year. Um, I barely auditioned, my agent and my manager left me, parted ways, not nicely, um, and I was, I had taken a bartending class Uh before I'd gotten the soap, the soap gig, and, um, and then I was a bartender on the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, guess like, the oh, I got my
1: skills, right? <laughs> the so out. then I tried
2: to pan that off of my experience, like behind the bar and with the, the bar. I went to the bartending class. You don't have to have a certificate to be a bartender, but I didn't know anything. I didn't drink. So sure. I didn't know anything about liquor. So I took right. the bartending class at 19 to do, learn the thing. And then, or at 20. And then, uh, anyway, uh, came back. And had to get a job, and I got a, a bartending job at this place called Al Reed's Steakhouse. Okay. It might still be there in, in Tahunga. All right, so no, north of Sun Valley, like 40 minutes outside oh, of yeah. LA. everyone and um, locals, very nice people. But I made you know 30, 40 bucks in tip tips a night. It was yes. it was nothing, and I was paying more gas money to get out there oh, than sure. I was really making. Um, and then I was also working at a like a, there was like a, a, a business a strip mall. For this guy who was selling uh, wholesale stuff online. Yeah. Like uh, like all different kinds of knives, colored knives that you'd, you'd find at a, at, at a fair for uh-huh. winning a prize. And pet supplies, you know, and then i pack them up and put the stick, uh, the,
1: the label on them and ship them off. So you're just cobbling all these things together. To working
2: two jobs yeah. because I burned through the, the little bit of savings I had from the soap opera of working on the soap and, and, and didn't have any representation for like three months. And then uh, a, a former assistant at my old manager became an agent and was very kind. A gentleman named Ryan. He, uh, he's like, oh, I'm working at this agency. I'm becoming an agent. You want to come in and meet and, you know, see about getting represented by us? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and was with them for a while. And they, they set me up with my meetings with the manager. And I got my new manager. And I'm still with the, this, the, the same manager. Um, and then it was shortly after that, three months after that, then I started working at Lucky Strike. They got me a job. Oh. The agency got me a job at Lucky Strike. They got me the interview at Lucky Strike. That's where you met Courtney. That's where I met Courtney. Yes, I remember this. I remember <laughs> and, this. Uh, and I've been spying on you for years. Right. Now I remember you told us this. <clears throat> um, and then I booked an um, episode of Cold Case mm-hmm. in which I played, it was the 50s, 1950s, and um, my boyfriend, playing a gay couple, in mm-hmm. 1950s, and my boyfriend gets beat up and killed. Mm-hmm. It was like this first season of Cold Case. And I was in a suit, my hair slicks back, and everybody's like, you look just like Christopher Reeve, like a young Christopher Reeve, this and that and this and that. And I'd heard, like, Superman stuff before, but that was just a funny coincidence. All these weird – call them coincidences. I don't think they're coincidences at this point. But um, did that, and then I did an episode of Oliver Bean, which mm-hmm. was, again, like a fifth, like a set – it wasn't really set. That show kind of took place not in the current time. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, and then uh, an episode of Will and Grace, where I had one line. Um, and that kind of started to pick things up for me. Mm-hmm. And then the next pilot season, after a uh, back and forth of this, on this one show, this WB show, um, that I didn't ultimately get, but I met with the, the producer who was producing partners with the then director of Superman, said, oh, you should come in and meet about Superman. And I did. And I'm telling a short version of the story. But uh, that was 2004.
1: Then when you audition for Superman, what are they having you – what is an audition – what is a Superman audition like? Well, the first
2: meeting was with Mick G., who was the director at the time, and Stephanie Savage, who was the producer on the show called The Mountain. Mick G. and he were both – she were both producing the show. And I'd gone in like three times. They were like, oh, we want to get you in the show, but you're not quite – can't find the role for mm-hmm. you but I talked to her about Iowa because she'd gone to school in Iowa and I I knew that they I knew see I knew that they were I knew that McG was directing the new Superman movie Yeah. it changed hands and so I saw his name on the call sh- on the information and I was like if I do a good job I get a call back and then he's going to see that like I should be Superman <laughs> um and that kind of happened so um <laughs> was <laughs> very fortuitous it yeah. doesn't always quite work out that no. way um, and so we, we just had a meeting it's like a 20 minute meeting about just talking about me talked about him a little bit and, and that was it we didn't talk about Superman at all essentially and then I left and then a couple weeks later they said oh we, they want to have you come in and, and read and I came in and read and we used there were two scenes from I think that it was a it was a Jennifer Lopez movie snake eyes or or something um it was like a thriller okay and the scenes there were two scenes and I chose one would be like one seemed more like a Superman scene and one seemed more like a Clark Kent scene Mm -hmm. so I I did that's how I did the scenes I did one or as Clark and one as Superman um with the casting directors, and then had a call back. And then after that, they decided they wanted to screen test, and they screen tested, like, six other guys. But that was already, at that point, that was already, like, four months into the process. Did the screen test, and then six-week hold to wait. Essentially, uh, contractually, they could wait six weeks to decide who they were going to cast, or they could cast nobody. (laughs) Right. Uh, Everybody loses. Um, And what happened, like, four weeks into that, the thing the deal fell away, fell through with McGee. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, I'm like at Lucky Strike. Everybody knows that I'm in this. I'm like this is my this is the thing that's going to do it. You're just on the brink of like amazing things." And it was crushing. It, <laughs> I was started crying, no. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> some water. That's all right. Take a minute if you need a minute. This is uh-huh. very emotional. And then uh um and then there was like silence. Nothing. And I was crushed, you know? Essentially. And then a couple of weeks later started to get rumors that Brian Singer was had an idea was gonna be doing the the project. And then he was. Uh and they were suddenly everybody was reporting their uh casting sessions around the world, in Ireland, in Australia uh trying to find the next superman i'm like i'm right here <laughs> <right laughs> lucky right strike here. look at my tape we did a screen test come on you just Hasn't come he- over to highland exactly. you don't need to go to fucking ireland <clears throat> has he met with everybody is he meeting with the people who who screen tested before cuz we all have tape is he even considering us maybe 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 was the answer time had gone by another month or so and finally um but no concrete answer about whether we were even in the loop or in the, in 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 the running at all and then one Friday morning, uh, I get a call from my from my agent, and I'm having a tremendous uh, migraine, just like the worst migraine. She calls me and says, "Oh, you know, uh, amazing uh, Brian Singer wants to to meet with you today in like an hour at at, uh, at the coffee bean on on Sunset." I was like, "Oh, I can, I I can't. I don't even know if I can drive. Like, this is such a crazy, mind altering migraine. I don't know if I can get out of bed to make it there." But it's the most important day of my life. Um, Can you see if he can push it back? Um, But he was leaving to Australia to go location scout, Mm -hmm. like, in six hours. But they were able to move it back a few hours. I downed some Excedrin headache and ibuprofen, like, probably too many drugs, and went back to (laughs) sleep for two hours, and the headache had lifted. And I went and had the meeting with him uh, at the the coffee bean that's no longer – there. Oh right, right, right. Uh, yeah. On Sunset Plaza, and um, and that was kind of. I mean, that was. That was it in his mind. What I think did, he kind of made it. Had a decision already. What but. did
1: he need to like? What is, What is it that he needs to hear from you when you're meeting for coffee? He wanted to see my, my personality, vibe? my
2: vibe. Yeah, my vibe. Um, I mean, gosh, it's been so long. I can't remember everything we talked about. I know that I spilled the coffee when I first came to see the table, which <laughs> which he always loved to tell that story, which was a total accident. It's a very Clark move. Um, it, I was very clumsy. I mean, I, I've since, since Bulletproof, actually, I've, I'm less, <laughs> I actually am less clumsy. I know it sounds like since I changed my food, I've become less clumsy because I have better awareness of my body. Now it's moving. Um, but I was pretty clumsy at that point in my life. And, um, we talked about growing up in Iowa and what I thought about Superman and what Superman was to me. And he talked about you know, how tremendous the, 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 the work was going to be and are you up for everybody, all the scrutiny and all this stuff. And I was like a naive kid from Iowa I was like, yeah, I can do it. I mean, come on. I'm, were you up for it when it started yeah. happening? Um, you know, I, I got a taste of it. The worst part was, was, was people on the forums and the boards because yeah. people used to use that more yeah. when, before social media. Or it was the original social media? I guess uh, we I always saying like he's not he's not big enough. He's not getting big enough. He's not. And I was like, I'm working out. Like, <laughs> you only knew how how dedicated I was to this, doing this. Um, that was the only thing that ever really that ever really got to me.
1: It is kind of funny, by the way, that the idea that Superman has to be ripped because yeah. it really it doesn't have to be at all. It's it's really his chemical composition that get, that he has the powers. It doesn't matter. How many abs he has showing? Exactly. All the other, all the other Kryptonians yeah. were just like normal people. They yeah. weren't
2: all ripped. Zod's just Look, a dude. He, I mean, Jor-el, he was not ripped. He was not ripped
1: at all. <laughs> <laughs> he was not ripped at all. There's Maybe when he was that, younger. I mean, I there's know. nothing that says that. You know, sort yeah. of it, it's like, but I guess just that idea of you know people going, you. You know, I gotta see that he's strong. I like, yeah. can't just believe. You know, like yeah, with the sun, it creates this molecular density. Yeah, well, all right, okay, give him abs. Fuck, okay, it's fine. It but, looks good on camera. It sells it, things. Yeah, and paper. <laughs> so, what was your experience? You know, like right after, like when it came out, right after, like what were you? Were you thinking like, well, this is we're gonna make a ton of these, or I'm gonna be yeah. Superman forever, or what's the? I totally
2: went into it thinking this is gonna be. This is gonna be. Amazing. And we're going to do, I mean, I have contract for three, so sure we'll do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And filming it, my first real film, amazing experience. I mean, just all of the work and the dedication, the passion behind it, uh, just incredible. Uh, And this is going to be, this is going to be a huge hit. And this is going to be, I'm going to, you know, people are saying, are you worried about being Superman Forever, Superman Forever, and I was like, "Well, I mean, what a what a terrible thing to be thought of as for <laughs> one. I'm, who was I before this? Nobody. And um, and I was like, I just, you know, I I, I can make myself somebody else. I'm an actor. I'll do other things. It wasn't the the paramount concern for me. I just thought it was going to be really successful. And I had I I I I still think I, I I love the movie. It has its flaws, but I think it's a great movie. Um, and so the reviews were all, by and large, really good. I think we're 78 percent of Rotten Tomatoes, something mm-hmm. to this day, something you know, really pretty positive for a Superman movie. Yep, yeah. um, and the reviews were all really largely good and, and good for me. I was like, okay, this is going to be good. The movie came out, um, and we didn't do have a blockbuster start. Right, uh, the first uh, the first weekend, and then Devil Wears Prada. Came out <laughs> and just like killed us. Right, the romantic comedy aspect just like destroyed us, and then Pirates of the Caribbean came out like a week and a half later and
1: just destroyed us. And that was yeah, that was, yeah. And
2: I think you know, I I, I think um, the the movie to, to my mind, the movie wasn't maybe marketed the way that I would have liked to have seen it marketed. Um, but I know nothing about marketing, so um, it didn't reach. It didn't. It didn't tell the story that we wanted to tell. Also. It maybe it was inevitable to go from the love and the amazingness of Chris Reeve mm-hmm. um, to this guy nobody knows after nearly 20, 20 years, something like that. Um, it, it's an unknown property. Well, and, and they and, also and, and you have to cover go over all of that, like love for him. I was a transition, and and I like I accept that now a transitionary figure for the character of Superman. Right. Um, so that was something that I didn't understand then as much, but I can see now.
1: Well, it made, it made it made sense, though. I mean, listen, the Superman movies, if you watch the original Christopher Reeve Superman movies, you know... One is a is a. I loved two. You know, I two. Yeah. It, it, it's I love one is incredible. Two is really fun, but it's definitely you know that other director came in and he's like you see all of Lester, the yeah. the kind of the goofy comedy elements. You know, it's like when they when when Zod and Ursa and Nan are attacking the city. Or they you know they 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 throw a bus and crush Superman and everyone in the town's like. Hey, they killed Superman. Let's get him. And they're just like picking up garbage <laughs> off the street. Like what? Well, he just fucking threw a bus at Superman. And in your minds, you think he's dead. And you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna pick up a, a like a just a you know a, a wrench and to take down these these gods. Yeah. So that from that standpoint it a little goofy. Superman three, you know mm-hmm. Richard Pryor. Superman four. Nu- nuclear man, yeah, nuclear man. I mean, not not the best, ba- you know, not the ba- So look, uh, that, that aftertaste in a lot of people's mouths. But I think story. not enough people really saw Superman for the quest for peace to really have it, you know, like create too indelible a yeah. mark. But it was, you know, like this was coming out of the legendary, you know, after what Nolan did with uh, with Batman. It's like okay, we can reboot these characters in kind of a in kind of a gritty, real human way. Yeah. And, uh, so to me, it just made all the sense in the world, like, oh, well, this is that, that's what's happening and why not do it with Superman? They should do it with Superman. Um, but after that experience, when you realized, oh, we're not going to make two or three of these, did you go through a period where you were, where you felt lost or did you feel like, okay, you know, that's fine. I I know that I, people know who I am now. I'm going to, I'll probably, I'm going to work.
2: Uh, well, you know, I, so that's, yeah, that's a big question. Um,
1: we all thought,
2: myself and my man, all my representatives included, that the movie would be. I mean, I think we thought that would be successful, and other opportunities would come from it. Mm-hmm. Um, that the movie was successful. It, I mean, not as successful, obviously, as the studio wanted. It made almost four hundred million dollars worldwide yeah. in two thousand six, um, but it it wasn't the success that everybody wanted it or thought it Still should. Still, a lot of money. So things didn't. Things jobs didn't. The didn't really come my way. The jobs that I wanted didn't come my way. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple of things that I was like, oh, maybe I should have said yes to that. Like one or two things. Um, I don't know if that would have made her. That would have made a difference. Um, and I am where I am now, so I, you know, I don't try not to beat myself up too much about that. But, um, but there were. But there, by and large, it wasn't a lot. Yeah. And and the, the whole time, there was still. For a year and a half after that, they were still "Oh, we still might be doing a sequel. Mm-hmm. Brian had gone off to do Valkyrie, and there was all this kind of shifting in the studio Warner Brothers and it seemed like we 're still going to do it and I was holding on to that happening because not only because it was a job and my career but i had i have I have great love for Superman, and I did a lot of um, emotional character work to step into that role, mm-hmm. to treat it with respect and humility and honor not only Chris's, uh, Chris's performance, but everyone who's drawn and created him up to that point mm-hmm. and, 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 and brought it brought him to life. Um, that I, there was a lot of me wrapped up into the character. Um, and, and what I, what representing that character represented, uh, and who I was, and who I was supposed to be, and how I was supposed to live my life—probably um, too much sucked into it, because um, I envisioned that I would carry on this role as a as a as a as a figurehead for him, as a custodian of of Superman. But sure. some of that bled into my own existence a little bit, and so then I it gave me self doubt of who am I and what am I and am I. All of that I think I am and that i 'm not getting work and um or the work that I wanted and uh and also I'd skipped a big step of of auditioning of like right. getting good at auditioning, and so then when i had to was i was I was having to go back and audition and not get offered or you know sh- offered things I was going back in a room i i didn 't have the skills um and also I had a chip on my shoulder like i shouldn 't have to do this right like what you know this was supposed to be this was supposed to be my future right <laughs> and um and that that affected me for uh too, too, I would say too long before I you know with the help of courtney um and family and friends you know figuring that out but it it, it took a while um and I had to go back and and pay my dues yeah um and and when I started to do that take responsibility for my own actions and for my own Capacity to to do the job, do the work that I needed to do, do the homework. Then things started to build up again, and my career started to to come back up. But yeah. it was it was a low point of several years. I mean, I did have. I mean, I was lucky enough to do, blessed enough to do Scott Pilgrim in the middle yep. of it, and 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 Zach and Mary and and Dylan Dog and and Chuck, but um, but those weren't like those weren't great times for me, um, and it's been since. Uh, since the around the birth of my son and and a little bit before that, and I started to get my my shit together.
1: Oh, that's did, did that help?
2: Uh, that made it more real. Um, just before just before it, it was it was just before he was Leo was conceived. Uh, a couple of a couple of things happened in my life that I was like, okay, I really this is like I need to get. This, this is this is as rock bottom as I've gotten in my life, mm-hmm. and it's time to you know ship up or shape out shape up or ship out shape up or ship out I'm bad with those <laughs> It makes my metaphors constantly and well,
1: so this is so this is this is a this is a good this is a good question I think for people who uh, feel like that because I think you know of, of all the people listening, a percentage of them probably feel like well i'm i'm as, I'm, I'm at a low point, yeah. so you know what? And at the time, I'm sure it feels insurmountable, but again, you know, making little choices and d- d- taking di- direction, like going different directions. So what are, you, what are you doing to to fix this and what steps are you taking to turn this around and take responsibility? Well,
2: it starts with, I mean, uh,
1: to get more detailed about it, uh, taking
2: responsibility. So you have to really sit with yourself whether you call it meditation or, or whatever it is, drive in your car, turn on music um, and think or just don't think and then it'll get to some, you know, you can find even find some emotionally evocative music mm-hmm. that puts you in an emotional space. Music has great power and just sit and, 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 and let your brain roll through the feelings and thoughts you're having. You find something that really triggers you, sit and think about it a little bit if you have trouble accessing emotional space or uh, your your emotions. But I I just – I saw how my decisions and my lack of taking responsibility was affecting other people. Mm -hmm. In effect, other people were protecting me from other people Um, or people were like walking around on eggshells around me. I didn't have knowledge of that. I couldn't see that. But when I had knowledge of that and I accepted that they were doing that, not because they were weak – or the, why couldn't they just come talk to me? I had to go, like, why do I feel like – why did they feel like they couldn't come talk to me? Because sure. I would get upset with them. Mm-hmm. I would throw it back at them or I would just not listen to them. So you have to ask questions of yourself and f- see where you can take responsibility. Ah, and that's accept, all the, that's and all the ego that, stuff. Accept that you've done something wrong. Yeah. It's okay. And it's okay <laughs> if you've done something wrong. <laughs> we all screw up. That's part of living and that's a part of growing and becoming – Something more than you are. If you don't like where you are, figure out what you're doing, where you can take responsibility for things that aren't the way you want them in your life. Sure. What do you not like about what's happening in your life or how you're getting treated or what you're receiving and see if there is something that you can take responsibility for in that interaction with that person. Right. Or in that relationship um, and you might, find, you might find some keys to turning that around and it's one thing at a time. I mean you can't – I didn't go from here to – from – 20, 2009 era, about when it was to, to now, just instantly. I mean it's been a growth process in those eight years to be where I am able to talk about it this way and um but the first thing I think with any is is taking is really just
1: taking and, responsibility. And I always say it's like asking asking good questions too and then yeah. not being afraid of what the answers are. Because sometimes the an- we don't ask ourselves these questions because the answers uh, stab us in the ego yeah. and that's you know it because I I honestly think there are certainly circumstances that, uh, that people cannot prevent, That circumstances, bad, tragic things that befall people. But I think if most people really were honest about their lives, a higher percentage than they would be willing to admit were the result of choices that they were making. Not all, yeah. but a percentage of. And so why not try to do what you can to chip away at those so that you can at least narrow the gap? you know, in your favor as much as possible.
2: Yeah. uh, Taking responsibility is about taking Mm -hmm. control. Mm -hmm. So once you're able to see what you have contributed to a decision, to a relationship, then you're able to start to take control and to change it. But as long as you keep deflecting your responsibility, you keep losing control. So in order to get control of your life, you have to take responsibility. Um, And I think that's, I mean, I, you know, that's the key is, is being in control. It's easy to give up control. Somebody else is oppressing me. Somebody else is doing this. I'm not, you know, whatever it is, is always somebody else's fault Yeah. until you realize how you play a part in this. It's your life. you got to take control of it. One example I was thinking is if you get in a car wreck, if you were, if you could conceive that you were responsible for it, because you ran a red light, or you were trying to get through that red light, mm-hmm. the yellow light before it turned red, why were you rushing? You know, it's not just, oh, the red light, or oh, I didn't make it, or I could have gone faster, or if I just would have stopped. But don't go, go further if you just would have stopped. Why were you rushing? Mm-hmm. You're rushing because you were late. Why were you late? Were you late because you didn't get ready in time, (laughs) or are you ready because you didn't want to go where you were going? Why didn't you want to go where you were going? Because you didn't want to talk to the person you were going to talk to? Because you have it was was going to be an emotional conversation? Sure. And what are you hiding from? And just keep back
1: back peeling back back back, the layers, back and back and
2: back. Don't 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 stop at the superficial. Or if that if that you were of no fault in that accident, you are then in control and have responsibility to take control of how you react after that. You can Mm -hmm. be upset at the person who who put you in the hospital that your car's wrecked and be, Oh, I guess I have no control over it. Just he hit me and this and that. Or you can take control of your healing process and how you respond to that person who hit you and this, all the steps down the road uh in your healing and, and where that may take you. Yeah. Um Somebody in the hospital might be, come your friend, a nurse, you know uh, something positive can happen from that, from that, tragic event. Yeah. If you stay in if you stay in the game. Yeah. And you and you and you don't let your uh, you know your subconscious continue to Well, you take, can
1: we play. we do have very little control over most things, but you certainly can control or you can learn to control okay. how you react to things and what events mean to you. That's that's the human
2: that's that's where the prefrontal cortex comes into play and separates us from apes and other mammals yeah is we have a developed our brain is developed in that way we have that capacity we have to train for it right it is in us and it is who who we are meant to become i believe the evolution of humanity is the evolution now we've done a lot of things it's the evolution of the brain and the mind and and going that last step um which is our our right as these creatures that that we are here um and and we're not taught that you know at birth, unless your parents are, you know, yogis or you know, <laughs> or Buddhists. No, or, you're not at all. We're or or, or or you know, um, I mean, religion is is there. Spirituality is there, but it's there and it's not. It's like finding there's a huge shift in the in 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 belief systems, but. Um, I'm I'm getting into the woods now.
1: Um No, but I wheat. but I but I think it Vegas, I think it I think it really is uh you know, I think most people really are conditioned to think that life happens at them. They can't they can't control you know, like, well, yeah, I got mad because you know, like, well, I know, but you didn't have you didn't have to. Yeah. I mean, that's a sucky thing. But you didn't have to like punch through that window, you know, like you didn't have to you didn't really have to do that. Or maybe someone runs a light, they're not late for anything, and they're just mad because they have control issues, you know, and they why can't this be you know, and they add it to this list of you know, if you if you say to yourself why does everything bad happen to me? Then your brain's going to go, well, here's a list of reasons that support that answer, yes. that, that question. Yes. And then your brain really is a supercomputer that will answer any question that you pose to it. Because that's what it does. It's a problem solving machine, it problem solves. It's how we survive. So there's the brain and there's the mind. Right. I've done, I've done, so I'm doing the food thing and now I'm deep diving <laughs> into, the, into the mind. Please.
2: This is a whole other thing. Um, there's a, there's a, I think he's a neurobiologist, he's a PhD psychiatrist. Sorry, Dr. Dan Siegel, I not can't remember all your credits, but there's a book I started reading or a book on tape called The Whole Brain Child, mm-hmm. which I highly recommend for any parents of kids of any age. Um and and then there's another called Parenting from the Inside Out and Discipline and she's got another book about discipline for children and essentially in Whole Brain Child he is he and a co-author, uh, a woman co-author Mary, I can't remember these a couple different co-authors of his books. Um they talk about the brain, the left hemisphere, the right hemisphere, the right side of the brain, left hand, side of the brain, and how the brain works, and how the brain of your child works. And you're reading all, you're listening or reading all this, and you're going, oh, well, this is, makes so much sense about my kid. But wait, this makes so much sense about me. <laughs> and I know that he's written... I mean, they wrote the book for kids, but there's so much... Everything they're telling, saying about the child, you can learn about yourself. Yes. And what is the brain, and what is the mind, and what controls what? And is the brain just a muscle and an engine and is the mind the whole body because the science of the body is that there are i think they're called dendrites there are sensors around our our heart and our organ and our um in our stomach that communicate with the brain and all along our spinal uh, our, our nervous system goes all the way down you know throughout our body and so that's we are mind and body our body is our mind and we're I'm gonna I, I gotta I can't I don't go too far I'm not good at explaining this but it's it's a new thing for me and understanding what the mind is and that our mind can is more in control than our brain if we let it that's the for the capacity of human, humanity so
1: even hearing you talk about this and a lot of stuff that we talked here and then I'm gonna I'm bring I'm gonna bring this back around to uh, mm-hmm. to Ray Palmer mm-hmm. <laughs> which is Sometimes when you see – sometimes, you know, listen, in the the genre of content that I enjoy, sometimes on shows, you see attractive people and you're a very attractive man, Brandon. uh, Brandon, But you you see them say science things and you go, I don't know if I believe that. But when you say science things – like when you say science things on the show, it's like, oh, yeah, I believe that guy. I believe that guy. (laughs) And then when I talk to you in person, you know – it's like, oh yeah, because he really is it is there an all is there another alternate universe where science was your path
2: I mean, I never saw that in high school. Um, I tried to get away from math and and science largely liked biology, yeah um but the math component, like my brain wasn't ready for that. I was much more creative, uh, wanting to write and do art and music and stuff um i I was okay with math, but it just wasn't it wasn't my strong suit, something sure. that I enjoyed um. But now, yeah, I mean, I've thought, when I got into the food science and the way it controls the body and the exploration, and and because it, it, I see the growth potential, and that is exciting to me. How can I become better? How can I upgrade myself? How can I become more of who I am? Yeah. And not only for my own happiness and, and joy, but to influence and affect others in a positive way. Yeah. How can I share this knowledge? Um, so... You know, I am not a scientist, and I'll never be a scientist. But I can, I can speak out.
1: You can the cool science, science and
2: appreciate. And I play one on TV, so I guess kind of. You know, that's cool. And the thing that really helped me bring bring Ray Palmer to that ab- adaptation was this shift in food. I had more energy. I had. I wasn't. I mean, if you would have met if you would have met me in two thousand uh, ten before I started doing bulletproof coffee and doing the whole thing. I I was a nice guy, but I wasn't able to speak this clearly um, and 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 I don't know with authority, but but just with the energy that I have, um, and that it was just about the time when I was doing really in the full swing of this food eating change that I the Ray Palmer thing came about. Yeah, and I and I had meetings about it, but then I had to go and do a chemistry read with with Emily. Who uh, plays Felicity and and uh, and and prove myself, which is a good learning. Talking about taking responsibility <laughs> and going back and doing my work. That was it. Yeah, I had I earned this job, and um, which was important, and um, and it was because of this and energy that I have and passion for for giving information and sharing knowledge that fueled Ray Palmer. And that was his excitement about life and his, all about his inventions and what we can do to change the world. That is Ray Palmer. That's the energy of Ray Palmer.
1: Well, and and know, that's what,
2: who, kind of who I've become.
1: Well, what's interesting about that is that you are now in a position... Because I know... I, the CW shows have done a really amazing job of weaving the universe together. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way, I think they still... Are trying to figure out what the film franchises, yeah. But they've done an amazing job. Uh, but I also know that that means that your schedules are brutal. Like I, you know, talking to Daniel Panabaker, she's like, "Oh yeah, I think we're doing. I'm doing 22 flashes, <laughs> and then I'm making an appearance on Arrow, and then a an person You know, because part of that is like weaving all these shows together. Yeah. But uh, I think it puts you in this very unique position where you can now, and because you can speak, you can speak about it in a in, a, in an authoritative way. You you could be going and talking to s- schools and saying, hey, science is cool, and yes, I play a scientist on television, but I also am in- interested in science, and you also can be interested in science, and that is a positive thing to do. I, I honestly think you could be a great – science advocate for kids and huh. maybe maybe as your son gets older and you find you know like it's show and tell to bring your dad to work to hey I'm you know i play this guy that you probably see on tv you know that's it i feel like this puts you in a very unique opportunity that maybe you wouldn't have been in if you know on the superman track you know what i mean yeah so i think it's really cool and i think it puts you in a really nice place if that is of interest to you i think people would listen to you
2: yeah no thank you thank you i appreciate that and I, I have i have i have had thoughts of speaking about nutrition and and i was this mind things come in it would just be an added aspect to it but um certainly it could come it could be wrapped in a science yeah in a in a, in a especially especially in this time where it's seemingly becoming more important um with knowledge seemingly being um, being taken away from us and science being not valued um, in certain aspects of our of our country um, to to be a, pr- a promoter of science i think is a is a is a really cool I think thing and i definitely reason. like talking about it so it's just <laughs> making it a cohesive talking point and, and and then having that happen and engaging with people i mean it's something that i that i that i uh, that will happen
1: well because you re- because point. you have the ability to reach a lot of people i'm sure yeah. there are tons of scientists who would come to you and go hey i'd love to work with you on building like a a, a little mini curriculum or a program that mm. you could sort of you know, with the almost no free time that you have, you know, but go around and or maybe make you maybe you make videos and you i don't know I just feel it, it feels like there's something there, and I feel like you have the ability and capacity to reach kids and speak you know um very comfortably and intelligently about science and why science is fun and important and I, I, I pre- think people would listen to I you. I appreciate it
2: that's a so cool that coming up with a curriculum is a good is a good idea I think that um uh, for me, I have a lot of ideas and have a lot to share, and I need a, uh, i am open to a partner who can, who can, um, a business partner who can, uh, who can put that into a, a listed thing, manifest a, a, that. A, yeah, and and so I am. I mean, this whole thing is like, thank you. you I, I really appreciate that support, and and it is something that is, that I'm moving toward. Mm-hmm. I'm allowing and waiting for it to that person to come forward. Uh, that relationship to be created. Where, well, now that where you going work organi- that, where it's going to work organically, yeah. or when I have time to search the person out, which is maybe now that I'm not working as much uh, and have hiatus that I can that I can uh, devote. More now time that you to put
1: that. that out in the world, I feel like it will yeah. come to you. I have to ask what your ring is because it looks like. A- yeah,
2: uh, it is. It's Bluestone Actually, mm-hmm. it's um bluestone from Stonehenge.
1: Oh um, wow! So this is your
2: wedding ring that I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. So we got uh, we got engaged at the tour. Mm-hmm. Which is a, a, a um, kind of a geogra- uh, special place in Glastonbury, England. We were on the Superman press tour mm-hmm. and doing a. Um a little road trip with uh Gil Adler and Jeannie Adler, who the, Gil was the producer of Superman, and is a lovely couple. And Jeannie's from England, and so we were kind of doing a tour. And I told them that I wanted to, you know, propose to Courtney in, in a magical place. And Jeannie, who's like a fairy godmother type woman, um, was like, "Oh, you got to go to the tour, and it's uh, ley lines, and it's very magical, and all this stuff." So, I was like, okay, so we did that. And it was awesome. She said yes, and then, <laughs> and then I was saying it was like I, I kind of feel like I want a ring. Like, why does this the 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 fiance the woman always get the ring? Like, I should have a ring. Why yeah. shouldn't I have a ring? Um, and so then we were in Stonehenge on the way back from our trip, and she got me one of the rings, and it's like you know fifteen dollars, yeah, but it's actual blue stone, and which is what Stonehenge stones are yep. uh, mostly made of or all made of, composed of, and um, but it broke because it's it's a very um, not a very strong stone, so we got. She ordered another one and had a ring maker in England send it to them, and they encased it in. Uh, it's not platinum; I've kind of titanium. Titanium, titanium. yeah. Um, and then there's a a glue kind of holding it in. So. nice, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah custom. T- I, I like. I like to because I have an unconventional one too, which didn't occur to me that you could do until we were looking for rings and I saw like a meteorite ring. I'm like, you could do that. Like I just, you know, I thought that had to be like a dumb gold band. Like, guys. No, that's that, that, totally cool. And so, uh, yeah. So I think so when I see someone else have that, I go, oh, wow, you you figured out too. You don't, <laughs> you can have like a cool ring that means something Thinking to you. outside the box. Um, I, I want to thank you for your time. Yeah. For being here. We, I, I think, you know, I haven't really... I don't know if I've seen you do a lot of interviews, so I don't know if people really... Like a long-form interviews. So, you know, I don't know if people really had a strong sense of who you are and how your brain works, but I think they're going to be delighted uh, after this after this podcast. Well, well thanks. I'm sure um, people tuning in at the beginning were like,
2: oh, we're going to talk about Legends of Tomorrow and Superman, Scott Pilgrim, and Chuck, and all that stuff. And you know, like, my, my so, feel- uh, Sorry if that's what
1: you were looking for. i sorry to disappoint you. But if you listened all this way, congratulations. You know, my feeling, though, is that um, if you... because uh, I just kind of like to see where the conversation goes, mm-hmm. and anything that you could say about Scott Pilgrim, you probably said during the Scott Pilgrim press tour... Sure. Uh, or you know any of the any of the Comic Con panels, so I feel like that's definitely out there. If yeah. you want to hear Brandon talking about Scott Pilgrim or more Legends of Tomorrow stuff, that is definitely out there in the world. There's no shortage of that. But I like these conversations because. I just kind of see like, oh, this is this is how you are as a human, like as a dude, as a guy, as a person, a citizen of this planet, uh, and so I don't know. I, I was great, and I, I want to kind of look into. I want to look into the. I don't I don't know if I can handle it, but I could try it one time. And if it feels like my heart is going to rip through my chest, then I just won't do it anymore.
2: Yeah, we'll find a place. Um, I can. If I was at my house, I'd make it for you. Oh, that's um, so nice. There's there's pla- places. There are a couple places in LA that actually make it.
1: i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it a shot and see how i do yeah uh and then maybe i should record the experience i'll do a facebook live yeah uh i think i need to go to the hospital you guys i need to go to cedars somebody take me to the oh and i'm okay i'm okay okay i'm okay i'm I'm all right i'm all right yeah it'll probably be a lot of that (laughs) please tell courtney i said hello i will and please come over and hang out at our house uh which now has a fully functioning arcade if you're an arcade person oh yes i am uh Uh, For Azeroth or for the Horde? Which side? Azeroth. You're Azeroth. Nice. Yeah, I was a proud paladin and priest and druid.
2: All of the healers and all the supporters. Nice. Um, And then... uh, And I played a shaman (laughs) on the other side. (laughs) (laughs) I played
1: a, a Tauren shaman and... This says a lot about. This says a lot, though. Druid, yeah. you know, like picking, picking. You know, who, who, who are you in a campaign? Who are you in a party? Says a lot about your personality. Yeah, you know, you're a healer. You like to bring things together. You like to be, a, you know, a, a functional uh, utility to other other people. And that says, that says a lot.
2: Yeah. The only game I'm playing right now is Dota 2. Yep. Um, and I've just been because I'm scared to play um somebody who's going to engage. I I I play mostly support characters in
1: that. Yeah. Anyway, is it just is it just a time thing?
2: Uh, well, Dota it's just a they're they're Dota's like um mini games, mini mini game, Yeah, the mini campaigns. Um, but I just don't want to. I don't want people yelling at me. <laughs> they will, because it's easier to support than to try to be the one like carrying the game. Yeah, the gaming community is very passionate. They actually don't yell that much in the, in this game. Well, that's good. Or I, maybe I just don't care anymore. I don't,
1: listen, <laughs> I don't look at the scrolling text so much. I <laughs> that's, just play. Probably, that's probably part of it too. Oh, uh, Legend of Tomorrow. We should. They, they gave yeah. me there's, there's a date. There's a specific date. So Legend of Tomorrow is Tuesday nights on the CW at nine p.m. Um, right. and available always on uh, like on iTunes or wherever you. Yeah, skate, and I think the CW medium.
2: does a new thing. Oh, it's eight days after the season finale of a show. It's on Netflix. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So a lot of options. Yeah.
1: A lot of options. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. It was good to see you. Likewise. Thank you. I love the conversation. Yeah. Come back. Come back. Please. You, come back, hang out. Bring back more stories. Bring back some more information on this. And then we'll uh, see if we can uh, get some fucking science going on. Uh, <laughs> enjoy your burrito, everyone. That is the end.
0: Now leaving nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.
1: This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Wilson, starring Woody Harrelson, a new comedy based on the graphic novel by Daniel Klaus of Ghost World fame, and from the director of the Skeleton Twins. Make sure to check out Wilson only in theaters starting Friday, March 24th.
2: Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them.